Hello. Hey. I wow. Uh, we long time no see. Yeah, we've just started talking. Yeah, I got uh, my um, incredibly coffee. I got my tomato. Good. Yeah. So you put the tomato in the coffee. I <laughs> This is the thing uh, I brought. Is, is there? No. Oh, is there like a puzzle here? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't know. I was trying to. Um, I. I I was trying to spark interesting, catchy beginning. So I think I, essentially, if we're trying to optimize for audience, we want the first 10 yeah. seconds to be, you know, uh, riveting. And so I thought coffee and tomatoes would be a uh, luring concept. It makes for a good conversation. So uh, th that's actually quite a uh, good topic as well to sort of briefly talk about is, I don't know how many podcasts you listen to, but I listen to a fair few. And it drives me absolutely insane that a lot of them put the commercials at the start of the podcast, right? Because uh, that's meant to be, you know, your first time listening up to a podcast. You know, you're gonna like listen for ten minutes or something like that, and then and then drop it off, right? Mm -hmm. So I've dropped podcasts that I'm trying to listen to based on somebody else's recommendation because they have like three minutes of uh, adverts at the beginning or something like that. It feels like incredibly unoptimized yeah. for the listener experience. Yeah, I think to add to that, sometimes I also see podcasts where you have an introduction, a sort of a monologue that lays mm -hmm. over before the podcast actually begins. Mm -hmm. And this works nicely if you have a consistent, if you've consistently viewed this podcast because you're essentially being yep. narrated through. But if you're a first-time listener or like an like third-time listener, these can be quite boring and confusing because they're usually advertising yes. future episodes or future or current events that you're not even aware of what's going on mm -hmm. in terms of the talker's life um, mm -hmm. and so you're not really because at that point you're not invested in the the speaker of the podcast you don't really care about yep. what these monologues are um, mm -hmm. because you want to know what the content is so yeah I think yep. from that idea as well it's it's very yeah, it's, it is very unoptimized considering today's kind of currently mediums are used to listen to these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, um, uh, there is a there is a, something to be said about like repeated intros though, like uh, which which maybe consider intros. I think we've probably talked about this before, but uh, there's sort of, sort of the Pavlovian response you have to the intro, right? Like you sort of like set yourself in the particular mindset that's required to listen to the thing, uh, that's and very sort of true. like. You know, you go through this routine, you know, listening routine before the actual show show starts, mm -hmm. and that serves to sort of like carry a lot of the weight of the opening. Uh, the, the, the the opening is meant to sort of like you know, um, uh, you know, raise spirits if it's like a comedy thing or something like that. Set you in a thoughtful mood. It's meant to be like, you know, something that's quite like that requires deep thought, thought and stuff like that. So the intro, the intro, I think, carries a lot of. Uh, weight in that sense right i never thought about that um but that is true i listen to a podcast based on mindfulness and at the beginning they have sort of a bell or a bowl they ring or something just a little jingle mm -hmm. or whatever and you sort of mm -hmm. because the podcast is quite like a um uh, i won't think of the greatest uh, word for it right now but it's a very calming podcast you know that automatically mm -hmm. is quite uh, puts me in like a calm state which yeah. i never mm -hmm. actually thought about i just thought that the podcast itself was calm, like calm but i think it's my my my, my kind of preparation for um and as well there's kind of a feedback yeah. like at first i listen to it and I, it makes me calm but then just there's a state that i just naturally would go into mm -hmm. exactly it's, it's the conditioned response i think so like you know that particular chime or bell uh You've become uh, you've begun associating with calmness, probably due to the rest of the content. You know, if it mm -hmm. was just like a thirty-second podcast, which is the bell, probably wouldn't have that uh, response. But uh, yeah, almost like flips the causality there, which is interesting. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which makes me think. So for our jingle, you could get, I I think, some snail noises. Yeah, eating a watermelon or something just completely randomly to throw out something there. Wow, that's... You're a... You know, I've always called you... You know how I always call you the man of innovation? 
Yeah, I mean that's how I'm known. That's, that's actually my professional title. Yeah. You've just you just proved your namesake right there with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, another year I passed the exam. <laughs> yeah, once a month. All it needs once a month one great idea. That's all you need to uh, to to keep living in this world. State master of innovation. Is that what you said? I, uh, I, I'm master of innovation, which I don't think is like a really novel, interesting name, but. Surprisingly, for innovation, you don't require great memory. So that's my excuse for constantly forgetting things. Um, you've uh, you've told me, you've uh, sort of gave, given me a sneak peek of a new technology that you'd like to present. Uh, would, would now yeah. be an appropriate time to do so. Okay, I think now's the appropriate time because this technology will be used throughout this episode. Okay. And we will see if it will become a consistent technology. Exciting. Um, let me, so what I have, I mean, only you'll be able to see this, the viewers will be able to see this, but on my right over here, I have another laptop. Oh, and wow. on this laptop, I'm just logging into the laptop right now. And on this laptop, if I get my password right, hold on, hopefully no listeners are able to hear my key tapping my password so I get this right yeah we have a soundboard yeah and nice. we, we had this in a previous podcast yep um, mm -hmm. but that soundboard was sort of um, uncurated in towards our listener basis mm -hmm. our listener basis of negative one session mm -hmm. but it came so, okay, so I've actually curated this soundboard with various sounds that I thought would be useful for speak, for talking. All right, so right. I've seen already that there are at least nine buttons. There are at least and nine buttons, and there's also yeah. a, a special button um, at the bottom. Okay. And this was based on listener feedback. Believe oh, it or wow. not, we had listener feedback from a, this will be, so just to give you a sense of kind of what the our ability to travel through time is for our listeners mm -hmm. they will be listening mm -hmm. to episode six right now but mm -hmm. actually it's episode 12 so uh um we are from, we're from the future okay okay but uh can we uh is it possible to utilize this connection backwards can we make them listen to future episodes and maybe they can tell us what we're going to talk about so we don't have to do any of the work that's interesting i think i think what we could do is we could just change the episode number and then Ooh. talk about past episodes as if they haven't happened yet i like that i like that right so it would yep. require a bit of like uh like heavy lifting in our brains on that part but uh it would be kind of fun so we could uh, I'll I was sold up to the part where you told me that I would have to think more. Now, maybe not so sold. Yeah, that's the one thing right, we so don't promote in this podcast. How do you how do you wanna how, okay, you, wait, how do you wanna sample these things? Wait, wait, okay. So um, first, I'm gonna show you the sounds. We'll decide if they're okay. useful at all. Mm -hmm. um, but there's one special button, and it's called the gumball timer. And okay. <laughs> and when when this button is pushed, it sets a timer for say 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And at the end of it, it makes the, the gumball sound, which I'll show you in a bit. And when this happens, the conversation has to be stopped mm -hmm. and continued from a completely orthogonal direction. All right. And uh, is, is the time chosen at random? Uh, no, we can preset the time. I, okay. We could do a random time if we want to. The reason why was um, it was sort of, I thought, a good way to kill dead conversation like say we can we're, say we're okay. really hitting a cor like a, a, I don't know the term is hitting a dead corpse but I guess you know kicking we, a dead horse yeah you know find some dead object and just beat this crap yeah, out of it yeah. right so um, slapping a dead turtle I think it's, a, it's the most common yeah, so, yeah I think that would be the most familiar to our listener bases yeah slapping the dead turtle um if you're Icelandic, um, cahooting the deceased lamb is another one. Oh, wow. I didn't know you spoke Icelandic. It's, uh, yeah, I... I learn something new every day. Yeah, you learn something different. Okay, so the gumball timer 
Here's the sound of the gumball okay. timer. So I want to know if you can hear it. I've tested yep. it on my machine, and all sounds can be heard through the recording. It would be mm -hmm. a shame if you can't hear it. Okay. But first I'm going to just test. Okay, so can you hear the sound of the clapping? Um, I'll turn the volume up. So this is the clap for our listeners. And oh, I, I actually ready? hear absolutely nothing. Yeah. I'm very surprised. So you can't hear that at all? I can't hear it at all. What about this laughing track? No, nothing. I, I'm not sure whether you're playing a joke on me or not. I literally hear nothing. No, no. Okay, okay. Just to like visually show you. I'll even move it near the computer. Okay, here's a laughing track again. Nope. No. Okay, nope. well then, well, the surprise for you will be, you won't know yeah. what the gumball sound is until um, we put together the episode. Okay, I like that. Um, but I'll play it for the listeners so they know what the gumball sound is. Mm -hmm. I also have an intro, intro noise for me and an intro noise for you. Um, that I'll oh. also sometimes play randomly. Okay. <laughs> Do I have to like introduce myself every time that the sound plays? No, I have no, no idea, idea what the context is. <laughs> but, but okay, wait. But here's the gumball sound. So mm -hmm. you won't know it, but oh, it's an be. amazing. Yeah, yeah it's right, an amazing. Okay. Wait, I, I I went too early. Sorry. Wait. I'll t when I kind of drop my hand, okay. that means the gumball sounds be made, okay. so you can like okay. pretend like you heard it. Yeah. Oh my god, it's the best sound I've ever heard. I think that will How be... How long did it take you? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, it's completely it's completely original. Um, uh -huh. uh, I don't know what you... Th I, okay, I'm actually interested to think what you think the gum... I mean, what is a gumball sound anyway? It's kind of interesting. But... So, uh, I mean, I won't be able to replicate it. It's, <laughs> it's just too unique. It, it has too much richness to even... Even attempting to replicate it would be blasphemy against it. Right. So, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be sacrilegious. You know. Uh, that's respectful. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Okay. What I'll do is I'll play your. What I do. What I did is I also got another sound, which was at one point in the podcast, um, in a previous episode, which the listeners wouldn't have heard yet. The upcoming episode. Okay. You were just. You know, so excited. You were like, you said, let's go. I like the energy, boys. Let's, mm -hmm. this is great. So I extracted that sound of you saying, I like the energy. And it's mm -hmm. called the energy button. So okay. <laughs> if we're, you know, if you're liking the energy and things are going well and just it's a great conversation, you push this button it, and you just say, I like the energy. So yep. I'm going to play that one now. Let's go. I'm liking the energy. All right. Oh, yes, that sounds just like me. You must be liking the energy, right? So that's like... Yeah, you cap captured my, my, my whole soul in that soundbite. So I don't know I don't know when we use that one. Like, I guess, like, I don't know. We'll see. But um, it's kind of... It could be a fun thing to do. And then and then the, the last one's called the... Um, I also have a... Uh, this one's quite a special one, but I have a Borgir button. Um, oh okay. Does the board uh, now that's very powerful. That you should, you should wield that power very responsibly. Uh, first of all, I really appreciate the the fact that you've added it. Um, I feel, you know, my culture is represented. Uh, finally, a platform for that. So I'm very happy in in that sense. But I do do want to stress that you should be. I mean. I'm sort of tempted to add like five seconds of silence around every burger, uh, you know, uh, sound like execution, just to be, you know, to pay respects enough to to the burger. <laughs> every time I hear the word burger, I just have the image of that child's mushy yeah. face as he's just preparing to indulge, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the. Five seconds of silence is really, yeah, it's kind of what's needed to appreciate It's the least, yeah, it's the least you can do. When I watch it once, I watch it eight times in a row. Like yeah. That's one yeah. session for me. So, uh, yeah, we're lucky it's such a short uh, thing, right? Because uh, if it was an hour, you know, 
you would still watch it eight times. There's no two ways about it, and that would be your whole take on. We we can only uh, we can only thank the board there for um, yeah. such generosity. Exactly. So uh, have you played the sound yet? I'll play the Borgir sound. So here we go. go. It might be very quiet for our listeners. Let me play it one more time. There we go. So that's the Borgir. It's just the Borgir. I'll, I'll add the five seconds of sounds. Maybe I added the sound. But um, that, that potentially inspires the soundboard. I either call it the mm -hmm. Borgir board or the Smorgasborgir. Um, I like the Smorgasborgir. Uh, and then, uh, what about combining it to the Smorgasburger board? Smorgasburger board. Yeah, we can call like it the Smorgasburger board. Um, and then I have the sound of a snail eating um, on there, which coincidentally you just mentioned earlier in the podcast, which is very pre prescient of you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then the last one there is is the Goulet button, um, and the. Okay. The Papa button, uh, which is just that pop that one's just essentially just has a um, snippet from. There's a famous singer called Pop. I mean, I think world renowned singer I should say called Papa Levi, and he has a snippet that's uh, quite famous in one of his re recently released albums that I just mm -hmm. spliced and pulled out. Uh, I think it's complete copyright infringement, which is. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, he, uh, so, the really nice thing about Papa is that not only is he incredibly famous, <laughs> but he's also incredibly generous. So I wouldn't worry about uh, copywriting first with him. He just gives for the sake of giving. You from uh, uh, personal experience, you. Know. Yeah, yeah. After lengthy conversations with him, I, I I can attest to this being the case. Um, well, okay. So and that here's the here's the Papa, Papa Levi intro noise. Um, <laughs> which might be loud enough to come through, we'll see. This was not part of the plan. The return of Papa Levi. It's so interesting that you can't hear it, but... Um, yeah, uh, it's, it must be some noise suppression thing. I don't know. But uh, it makes it more more exciting. I yeah. never know what's happening. I love never knowing what's happening. I, I don't know, I don't know what a life. solution is for if we ever chose to want to include you in sounds, because... I, it w it's not a nice idea to have to go over the top and include sound bites afterwards, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. also I don't know how. Yeah, I'm not really sure unless I had like maybe a better quality speaker, and kind of had a way to sort of um, aim the sound directly at my um, input here. Maybe mm -hmm. it's because it comes through my headphones that might be the issue. Uh, it could the, be. It could speaker. be. Yeah. Yeah. Um We'll uh, we'll have a thing about it. We can yeah. we can do some uh, like online thing as well. Um, as a temporary fix, though, you can make it so uh, the I like the e energy soundbite gets played after each soundbite. Uh, be careful there, you know, not to fall into an infinite recursion of I like the energy uh, soundbites, mm. such that you know uh, I you can save me some work. You know, I I like all soundbites. You know, so no. Uh, yeah, no worries there. You know, so we've solved the issue. Um, all right. Wait, so you, you, okay. Well, you're talking about um, essentially making a soundboard of mostly everything you say, and then building the podcast by myself. Uh, we we're slowly getting there. Like uh, I like the the vision that you have. I was thinking like you know the first step there would be because I can't hear the sound. You can just use the soundboard to replicate my reaction to the sounds I can't hear. Right. Therefore, solving the problem. Right. Okay. Okay. We won't get f like fully automating you out of this. Uh, uh, um, considering your contribution, so minimal. No, yeah. I, so I, uh, I will yes. extend the challenge to you. Um, in three episodes time, um, I will have pre-recorded myself. We have created a soundboard of myself, and we will record the podcast only through the sound bites of myself. Um, I'd like you I like to try to to make a soundboard of yourself, such that you think we can <laughs> hold a sensible conversation. Can we? Because what I'm wondering is, could we? Because I'm wondering, like, the practical way in which this could work is, we have an hour-long podcast, but we only have we only actually have like 
three minutes of real-time conversation, but it's really stretched over a piecing together by pushing all these buttons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like as if we, you know, yeah, like, you were a machine and like cranking all these different buttons and putting together all these different words to try and I think it's better than mm-hmm. just recording a bunch of words. A cooler way would be getting a bunch of phrases and trying to find. Oh yeah, 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 yeah obviously. Phrases. Yeah, so you have to have you have to anticipate what the other person will be talking about, right? Because mm-hmm. if you just uh, record every word in the English dictionary, then you know, given sufficient time, you can um, you can build up any sentence. But no, this this has to be these have to be complete sentences. Right. Uh, so, for example, um, you know. I would pre-record something like, uh, no, no, I disagree with this, the combinatorics of it doesn't make any sense, right? And this is only appropriate as a response if you're saying something that, you know, has any combinatorics in it, mm-hmm. right? So you have, to, you have to make your sentences not generally applicable enough. Um, and if you want this to succeed, you have to record quite a few sentences as well. I like this a lot. It almost harks back to like what language learning is in general. Like because mm-hmm. you know what, because there there is the side of language where we do just robotically repeat phrases and mm-hmm. idioms and aphorisms that we kind of learn, and we just we we learn them under certain contexts and just throw them out. Like uh, let me think of like a you know there's always a silver lining, you know mm-hmm. you're just kind of just saying it in response to the situation. You don't ever really edit that phrase. Like it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. if I said there's always a silver curvature. Like what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But sometimes. So, oh yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No. no finish. Finish. No, I was going to say, but sometimes we do do slight edits to these things, and actually mm-hmm. build functional sentences. But um, sometimes that's more when we're. I don't. I don't know if that really ever happens much in conversation. It's more in writing when we like, mm-hmm. when we sort of filter, and condense. We're trying to talk about actually edit it. But in conversation, I feel like it's a lot of throwback of. Um, pre-baked sort of idea mm-hmm. I don't know maybe in just more like maybe not debated conversation but more casual conversation I don't know yeah I really like this because uh, I haven't really considered this uh, you know this to be the case with uh, a physical activity right like uh, playing an instrument at the beginning you're putting thought into every single uh, movement of a finger that you're making uh, uh, and then sort of these things become automated such that you uh, you can do them without really thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's like uh, uh, you call it muscle memory when it's uh, uh, it has to do with some physical activity. But there's also the type one and type two thinking that I think Kahneman um, explores, which I think is is of a similar nature there. Of like you know. Uh, when you're doing some cognitive processing, you also have two modes of like, uh, uh, you know, you're doing something for the first time, so you're really reasoning through everything. If you got a gumball uh, in your mouth, for example, just the gumball timer just went off. Um, no, 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 but, but, continue. I no, didn't no, know we, you had said one. I know, I said it, I said it, and it just, you wouldn't have noticed it, but it would have just kind of spoken mm-hmm. over everything you said. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So well, we have we to got change the topic. Our mouth, so we got to forget everything about what. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I think I said it. Said it too early. This is actually quite interesting. Okay. So, so keep going with keep going with what you're saying. Excuse the gumball interruption. Um, but All right. That's uh, strike one on the on the on the gumball. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the gumball was complaining because it's probably not Kahneman, uh, Kahneman that actually talks about these things. But uh, you know, uh, cognitive processes uh, can be more or less automated. I had never considered that for language, right? Um, there's definitely at least two modes of uh, sort of speech that you have. Um, the one that I'm utilizing right now, the one that sort of takes time to place words in the correct order, uh, is the one where you're not that experienced, I guess, in, in that particular domain that you're uh, talking about. Mm-hmm. The other one, the one full of idioms uh, that you mentioned before, uh, feels like much more uh, something that you've worked through and are just going through the uh, motions, right? Like, um, um, if you're using a lot of uh, references as well, like uh, people say that referential humor is the lowest form of humor, right? It doesn't require a lot of cognitive uh, 
effort because you're just slotting things into into the template. What, and what's referential humor? Like what's uh, uh, humor based on references? So I go something like uh, life is a box of uh, Beatles or some right. shit. Yeah, and you know it's supposed to be funny because it's a reference to a very famous phrase. Uh, right. Okay. I, so that's that, that's considered to be very lazy by comics, right? You're meant to uh, be creating new original uh, stuff. Um, so uh, the thing you said just now really made me appreciate the difference between these two things, and really made me appreciate how often I fall into the category of uh, automated speech, where you're just throwing around phrases without really even thinking about their structure and uh, their actual meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. The way you're presenting it there is that, based on what you're talking about in terms of music learning, that mm -hmm. we would learn learning phrases is is kind of a secondary thing, is a second type of learning that we do mm -hmm. after we sort of spend time learning the language. So we're not able to encapsulate phrases before, um, kind of doing this repetition of idioms like this blind mm -hmm. repetition because one thing mm -hmm. i've always thought about is that there is that sort of idea that you've got the type one type two but i've never th i've always thought that or likes the idea because i don't i don't there's i don't know enough on the language research that we are composed of a bunch of say type two phrases mm -hmm. but our type our, our construction in type one I guess it's not type one learning, but our, our construction that we do in terms of making novel speeches and novel writing is by splicing these phrases and recombining them in interesting mm -hmm. ways. Um, I remember going to a, a talk in psychology lecture by a professor that had the theory with a bit of justification that actually language didn't come before song and singing but singing mm -hmm. came come, came before language and then mm -hmm. our ability to make conversations was our splicing of the songs and the singing and the noises we'd make into really small um into into smaller kind of pieces that we then recombined mm -hmm. to build say like information signals that's uh, an incredibly interesting conjecture, right? So you have more musical and less musical languages, uh, but I had never thought that maybe the musicality was the origin of languages, and maybe some languages dropped uh, the musicality of it later on the, uh, down the line. When you when I consider something like uh, English versus Chinese, uh, I was under the assumption that you know Chinese had adopted musicality later on to sort of expand its. Uh, available uh, uh, syllables, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, uh, yeah, available units, phonemes. Um, sort of uh, what you're saying here, or what what this uh, talk, I think, suggests, is that maybe it was English that dropped this to a more severe extent than Chinese did. Right, yeah. I Wait, so what's this thing, what's this thing you're talking about, Chinese, in terms of... Uh, so uh, with Chinese, you, ha uh, you have um, tonality, right? So you have... Uh, uh, syllables or f like uh, yeah units phonemes, phonemes and I, I think there's still phonemes uh, there uh, which are uh, spelled the same uh, in terms of like you know just uh, writing it out in a phonetic alphabet uh, western uh, alphabet uh, and have the same consonant and the same uh, vowel but the vowel is uh, voiced differently right like it's it uses inflection of the voice, mm -hmm. uh, and that makes a huge importance, right? Like uh, the difference between uh, the consonants uh, L and K in English, uh, you know, is quite large. As, so same is the case for Chinese, you know, like, you, I, like my ears is completely dead to these things. Uh, so I can't even replicate them, right? But like, uh, it will be something like uh, Ch versus Ch, you know, uh, mm -hmm. just, you know, the, the so direction, like the direction of the inflection, yeah, is like yeah. starting mm -hmm. high and going low versus low and high. Mm -hmm. mm, that's interesting. Uh, and therefore, there's like this little sing-song nature of Chinese, right? Like as as your voice is going up and down, uh, it sort of has this 
quality of you know it's more musical in a sense right is that inflection like obvious in is that inflection obvious in the in the written form or uh, is it only known by its condition on kind of its its context dependent like so uh, uh the chinese is is uh not a uh like the chinese alphabet uh is not phonetic right they don't have a alphabet as such they just have a bunch of symbols denoting different concepts right, right. so oh, yeah. this this concept that denoting tokens don't have a um, uh, the associated sound to them uh, sort of put into them, right? So y y it's quite interesting. There's different dialects of Chinese, right? Uh, Mandarin and Cantonese are uh, quite predominant one uh, ones. Uh, people who speak Mandarin and Chinese uh, and uh, and Cantonese uh, cannot understand each other. But if they if one of them writes down something on a piece of paper, the other one can read it, right? Because even though they pronounce these tokens differently, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, these tokens still denote the same meaning, right? In that sense, um, the token does not itself contain how that word should be pronounced. Huh. Uh, but, but, you know, when, when uh, Westerners try to write this down, uh, like write down the you know the the phonemes they came up with a with a way of denoting the different uh tones oh wow that's uh that's that's quite an interesting use case of like equal symbolic understanding but like mm -hmm. completely I, yeah like uh, completely the symbol is exactly the same the the token you use to denote the same symbol is exactly the same but uh the sound you make is completely different Right, yeah, so, hmm, does that, like, point towards, I guess, the fact that languages could be represented under an equal, kind of, uh, under all languages could be reduced to some kind of shared symbolic framework, like, in terms of translation, um, I'm guessing that's not the case, but... Um, could you expand a bit on that? What so I mean is, like, if we get French, for example, and maybe French and English are too close, but say we get like, um, this is kind of comes to translation. We get like a Chinese text and we get an English text mm -hmm. or maybe spoken Chinese, English Chinese. We go to spoken because that's what kind mm -hmm. of relates to the same example. Um, and then you get like a third language like Spanish. Could like the three mm -hmm. of these be represented by like a set of symbols such that all, all spoken languages can be like, they they can understand this these equal set of symbols, and use this to communicate, um, but speak differently. Um, I, yeah, I think it wouldn't work through any known alphabet, mm. right, or like uh, any known language. Um, it would have to rely on more familiar concepts to everybody. Like, if I draw a fish, I expect everybody to know it's a fish, uh, irrespective of their culture, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, th I think you'd have to rely on, on, on more primitive sort of like communication techniques. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I guess like symbols or, um, or comics. Or comics, yes. Like that's this. Oh my God, that's very interesting. Comics are a universal language. It, like as them. long as it doesn't have the dialogue, I guess. I mean, if only it's yeah. like the onomatopoeias, right? Just the yeah bam wow which uh very very interestingly those differ uh, across languages oh well. that is right. true yeah that's yeah, so uh rabbits the uh, rabbits what frogs <laughs> say ribbits in english right uh in bulgarian they say quack which is completely different Ro right? wait, wait, wait what is what did they, they say quack oh quack okay yeah that's what frogs say just yeah, they have nothing in common. Okay, I can, I can, I can. Now you've prompted me with that sound. I can imagine a frog sort of <laughs> doing it in the background. Because when I grew up, I used to live by just a pond of frogs, and we get them all evening or toads. And I can just imagine those being turned as kabak. But I can also see ribbit in there as well. That's um. Yeah, I mean uh, both. Uh, wow. Both work, I think. 
imagine. Um, oh, that's that's quite that's quite interesting, actually. Um, I always remember also like when you learn Spanish in say school, you also learn how mm-hmm. to sneeze in Spanish. What? Yeah, I never. What? Like like uh, yeah, in in Spain they in Spain they go, or you know in Spanish speaking countries, I'm sure it varies because we were probably just given like the standard average Spanish. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, you're, you're told to go a cheese instead of a chew. It's kind of a, a cheese. Um, Wait, do you do you produce the a chew sound when you sneeze? I, I guess I go like uh, I don't I can't make myself sneeze. It's difficult. Go, yeah, 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 but like they go a cheese. I, <laughs> I maybe there is some kind of like you know what as you sneeze there's some kind of subconscious expectation mm-hmm. the sound you're gonna mm-hmm. make. Because, like, one thing I do when I sneeze is sometimes I hold it back and it's just like, that's right? <laughs> but it is kind of weird when I do that a lot. Like, um, I feel as people going, like, why are you holding back your sneeze? Um, mm. And then there's other people that just, you know, fully commit and just release a thunderstorm I, of I sneeze. Sure so, uh, are you meant to do this with other sounds? When you cough, are you meant to go, cough, cough? Because <laughs> uh, yes. it, gets, it gets into, like, Pokemon territory there. Uh, oh, what, uh, what do you mean? Because I gotta uh, say, I, I, I didn't play Pokemon, <laughs> which is uh, uh, which sucks. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's a huge mission in your life. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know how you managed to graduate high school without playing Pokemon. Uh, but uh, Pokemon uh, announce their names over and over again. That's only the only way they can speak, right? Oh. <laughs> So uh, if you're saying achoo when you when you're sneezing, then uh, maybe you should start saying cough when you're coughing or blush when you're blushing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you like. I've almost imagined this like world where you can't. Yeah, like if we had no visual feedback of like what your emotional state is or like what mm-hmm. your expressions are, and you had to sort of like say things like blush, blush, blush. Blush, 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 like blush, blush, happy, blush. It, I mean, it would be a bit of um, it would be weird. Well, that world already exists to a large extent. It's uh, VR, right? So VR is slowly getting, you know, being able to pick up some uh, body language and stuff like that. Mm. But facial expressions and uh, you know more subtle things like blushing, in particular, mm-hmm. aren't really represented. So I wouldn't be surprised if people. Um, they have learned using VR to be much more descriptive in their language. Yeah, that's actually uh, quite interesting. Like, um, I, you know, we, for especially for VR, a lot of the technology kind of focuses on maybe very extreme changes in facial expression. And mm-hmm. maybe the easy one is, you know, raise of the eyebrows, opening of the eyes, mm-hmm. uh, kind of opening and closing the mouth. Mm-hmm. And you could pick up on these ones easier with a camera but like one of the difficult ones is say blushing you know Mm -hmm. it's very subtle um and i'm not sure that blushing correlates with this what the person is saying because someone might not be saying anything um Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah it's also um not something that people would willingly unless you know they're acting uh, announce for themselves right uh it's uh it's usually something that people are ashamed of uh, going to blush, right? Uh, you may have the control of making your virtual character blush, but uh-huh. uh, would you, if you were actually ashamed of something or embarrassed of something that's happening, would you purposefully indicate that to other people? You know, people in real life often hide the fact that they're blushing. Right. It's like the paradox of the shy person. Like, mm-hmm. if you're shy, you won't announce that you're being feeling shy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it goes completely against your yeah. emotional Everybody, state. listen, I have an <laughs> I'm very shy. Please do not talk to me. Yeah, stands up on the podium. Testing. <laughs> yeah, everyone, I would just like to let you know that I am a very shy, insular person. Excuse me, sir, sir, could you quiet down? I have an announcement. I'm incredibly shy. I like that. I, I like this character. I'd like to invite him back. This, this. <laughs> Oh wow, that's a great that's a great <laughs> I see a great I see a great cartoon unfolding. Yeah. Um with this uh uh um Shy Sean. 
Oh, okay. Um, you, you really liking the the alliteration? Is it alliteration? Yeah, yeah alliteration. Right? Yeah. And, and I think alliterations are quite a like cute and smart way to do writing. One of my favorite things is when I read a novel. Mm-hmm. Is one of the, one of my actually favorite parts about reading is actually paying attention to the language and how the author writes. Mm-hmm. The story's mm-hmm. good, and I like that, but actually, I found myself, the biggest thing I do is pay attention to how the author writes. And one of one of them that I really like is if the author, for example, puts some rhyme in the sentences on mm-hmm. purpose, you know, maybe the end of mm-hmm. the sentence, or like, say, there's like a pause in the sentence, and they rhyme. Mm-hmm. Or they do something funny, like there's a sequence of um, objects, and they make them all this in alliteration or something. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's like other things that I think are quite satisfying, like the. Um, so I I can't remember what it's called when you're kind of combining things with commas and then like an and at the end. Um, I can't remember. Like a l- listing off things. Like yeah, like a, listing off things. Um, uh-huh. But one of the things that's quite satisfying when you list off things is there's a certain way to list them off that feels good. So, mm-hmm. what it usually ends up being is ending with something that's longer and starting with something that's shorter. Mm-hmm. So like you're going like cars, planes, and everything else, mm-hmm. right? Rather than saying everything else, cars and planes, you know mm-hmm. the the first way sounded nicer because I'm almost building up to yeah. the point, and I spend kind of mm-hmm. less effort getting to that point. Whereas you know I do mm-hmm. most of the effort at the start, and then it kind of trickles out, and it's not as it's almost like a reward. You can think of it as like a reward progress where I'm getting yeah. more reward, getting to this larger word. And just yep. those kind of things, like the amount of all, the amount of all, um, attention author pays attention, the amount that author pays attention to these things, I think is like, uh, is quite surprising. Like once you start seeing it, it leaves, yeah, I, it leaves a huge impression. I recently, uh, half a year ago, uh, was reading a book. I'm not going to say which one because I want to leave, you know, the sort of discovery to other people. Um, in which, you know, I was reading. Uh, the chapters and uh, at some point in the book I was like wait this sentence rhymes right um, so I'm like let me let me check back the previous sentence from the same character rhymes again and you know looking back 20 pages back this person has been uh, talking in rhyme but it's not being denoted in any way right like there is no break in the text that is meant to signify that this will be a rhyme right? like this was just lines of text uh, you know, uh, their their speech being denoted just with uh, quotation marks around it, but absolutely no break in the in the sentence, right? Um, so uh, I was incredibly impressed, right? The the author had managed to sort of um, make it seem so natural a speech that it really didn't uh, click to me, uh, click for me that he, uh, you know, like he was he was making this some would argue gimmicky thing for this character, right? right? I absolutely love that moment. Like that moment of discovery of having had something underneath the surface for like something obvious underneath, but uh, underneath the surface uh, for the last 20 pages completely sort of blew me away. Right. Uh, Was the moment that you discovered it caused by something or did you just start to see no it, it was just it was just uh you know once the light bulb flicks on in mm. your brain you can't unsee it anymore right i right. can never i can never read through that book again and be like oh you know i've f- I forgotten this moment uh this is quite a nice thing right that's right. actually that uh, that in itself is an interesting thing yeah um no i think like, i think uh, oh go ahead uh, uh i think there's a uh something to be said about like trusting your reader and uh, not signposting everything that you do, right? So if you, if the author of this had signposted this more, sort of like, you know, structuring the text such that the rhyme is more obvious, that would have detracted away from the work, mm. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, like the best feature goes unnoticed, in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, it seems so natural or, you know, it just, yeah, I, I also think the author had, like, I don't know whether it's the intention of the author or not, like, gives you, gave you immense satisfaction by discovering that sort of pattern mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when you said the fact that once you notice these things, you can't unnotice them, I I realized this with, there was a few um, videos I, like, 
short snippets on YouTube of a certain list um, producer I was watching. And mm-hmm. I watched through these all and found them like really um, immersive and like well produced, but I couldn't figure out what it was that was doing that. And at mm-hmm. the end um, of like a series of them, they had a note at the bottom that said, sound produced by X person. All sound mm-hmm. production done by X person. And I click on this person's account and I realize, you know, all the movies and the videos they do purely focus on like high quality weird sounds. Like for example, when I say mm-hmm. something, they echo my sound. Like, oh, for two that's seconds. really cool. Or mm-hmm. they add like very subtle, almost ASMR quality, like mm-hmm. um, crunching of paper or something in the background. But dur- the the weird thing was that during this entire like say ten episodes of something that I'd watch on YouTube, mm-hmm. I never picked up on these sounds at all. I couldn't figure out why the production quality was so entertaining and immersive but when I go mm-hmm. back and watch mm-hmm. through these I can't unlisten uh, unhear mm-hmm. the, the now the individual sounds that this person has dropped in and the echoes mm-hmm. etc um, mm-hmm. and I want to say it kind of actually makes it the I, I'm both like really impressed I now I'm really happy to be able to see these things but it does sort of um, detract a bit from, detract from a bit the because I, yeah, I did I like kind of being kind of mesmerized without knowing why mm-hmm. this thing mm-hmm. was doing so well but as much as I love I really enjoyed dissecting why these things are doing mm-hmm. well uh, so anyway but a way you could try to remedy this is by attempting to do it yourself because uh, now you're not going to get the same fascination uh, with uh, you know this uh, th- that you had originally but you will have an appreciation for the work that this person is doing in creating this atmosphere and you know this is still a substitute for the original feeling, but uh, in some ways uh, it can provide you know new venues of satisfaction as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, like for example, you with your rhyming character, or with mm-hmm. this um, you know this subtle but you know well attended to audio, um, it's got to be a very difficult task to put this together in a way that is. You know, unseen, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet successful in, in capturing the, the reader. Like, if you make it blatantly obvious, it's going to not feel it's feel gimmicky. Feels yeah, gimmicky, it's, right? it's going, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the art of this sort of. That's the art of mm-hmm. this sort of thing, which is as like as you said, try to reproduce it, and you realize how difficult it is um, mm-hmm. to do such like such a thing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's very impressive. A while back, uh, we spoke about uh, author styles, right? Uh, sort of transferring st- styles from different authors onto different pieces of work. I recently uh, had a realization that quite surprised me. Um, when I was uh, younger, I used to read books and uh, adopt the personality of characters. Right? That's, I think, something very natural to do. People talk about doing that with movies a lot. Um, these days, when I read a book, I adopt the writing style of the author, which I found found to be incredibly bizarre and uh, entertaining as well. Um, I was recently uh, reading uh, Asimov and was also writing a uh, piece of text uh, for, for, like, it was my dissertation for wrapping my master's. And I found that, uh, you know, as I was doing the two things parallelly, reading back my some of the text for my dissertation it was it had a very very particular way of arranging words that is you know somewhat representative of Asimov uh-huh. uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying the quality was on the same level <laughs> I'm saying that you know some of the general characteristics uh, were very very similar and this was not something intentional right uh, just by reading a book your the way you formulate your thoughts I feel changes Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if the if the person has a particularly strong um, sort of style. Yeah, I think um, so. Asimov, first off, Asimov lives on through you, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you are the reincarnation. Um, but yeah, no, I think like the yeah, no, you're. I see the same exact thing. Like, is when you're reading a book. The author is essentially guiding the direction of your thoughts, your thought trajectory. Mm-hmm. They're saying mm-hmm. this is the trajectory your thoughts are going to go down. I mean, your interpretation, your image, imagination—this might be, you know, subject to 
you know, your experiences and how you interpret it. Mm -hmm. But this is like your line of thought, like kind of story. This is the story trajectory. And they're kind of like baking the way that story is told into your head a bit, like mm -hmm. one way. And so I can, I, it does like have a, I, it has a really heavy influence on kind of when you, yeah, when you then try to write something and how you're going to order it. Like I, yeah. Even I, even if it's, it's a completely different domain, as well, right? Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, like if you're doing scientific writing and reading a really silly book, or reading like you know, it, it makes your scientific writing kind of silly, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which is kind of be kind of detrimental, um, or not. I mean, also silly. Oh uh, yeah, I mean yeah, uh, being silly is not necessarily bad as long as you are technically correct I'm adamant that anyone above the age of 20 should discontinue laughing for the rest of their life um, what are the benefits of well it's important that once you get over the age of 20 that you act mature mm -hmm. and you are officially an adult and so you no longer I, th I think it's a bit of a waste of time to um, to not focus on just technological progress and intellectual advancement. Uh -huh. um, I mean, I was skeptical at first, but you've you've completely sold me. Uh, I th I think you you gave very very strong argument, um, and uh, yeah. So okay, from 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 here on, uh, from here on out, I will be calling you out every time you laugh. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm just playing a soundboard right now. This isn't actually me it, laughing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah, I yeah. put that track in there so we could satisfy some of the more perverted listeners that we have. Oh. Um, <laughs> hey, you put a soundboard with me laughing. Wow, <laughs> that's uh, pretty adept engineering on your part. There we go. Um, okay, I think we hit the f we hit the you know we hit the yep. fifty minute mark. Let's call this. Um, yeah, I think we I think. Uh, yeah, we're wrapping up. Goodbye, cool. everyone. Catch you next time.